0: I want to um, share this morning from the Word of God, and I'm going to come down a step and be closer to you. Traditionally, we like our seats. <laughs> Today, I'd, part of me wants to ask all of you to just file in the middle, but I won't do that. It may rattle your cages if I do that. Breaking tradition, but been praying a lot about what God is wanting to do in our area, not just here, but in the whole area of the state of Maine and and uh, what God is wanting to do through his spirit. I believe you've heard uh, great messages um, the past few weeks. Uh, my wife, Pastor Brian, concerning the plan of God, concerning what God is wanting to do. I've been asked many times and uh, today I just want to share with you from the word of God concerning one of the questions that I have been asked uh, by people, not just here in Fort, but different places I've gone to, when you start talking about what God is doing in the earth, how many know that God's alive? Raise your hand. How many know that God, know that God is moving? Raise your hand. Okay, He is moving. Now, sometimes, well, I haven't felt Him in years or months or in days. Well, just because we may not feel Him doesn't change the fact that God is always moving. He's always going forward. But I do want to share today on what? Will it look like? We can get very, very set in our ways. Personally, as individuals, we can get locked into a mode, even in Christianity, in church. God forbid that anybody comes in and changes an order of service in most churches. Amen. Am I right? God forbid that things are rearranged this week and when you do come to church next Sunday, the worship team is back there in the corner and the seats are over here. That would rattle some of us. Now, I'm giving you some basic, simple little things here, but, uh, you know, God forbid that where you're sitting now is not where you're gonna sit next week. Cause somebody moved your chair. You understand what I'm saying? This has happened in churches. I want to share some, some truths with you, but the move of God that is upon us, and I firmly believe it is upon us. My wife and I preach this. We teach this. We live this. This is not a message or a sermon. This is what we believe. But that move that is upon us will break tradition in our own lives. Now, when we speak about tradition in Christianity, we're always pointing at the church down the road because we don't have tradition. Right. None of us have tradition in this church. I mean, this church is the holy church. This church is the best church. This is this church is the great church. None of us have tradition, but we all have tradition. I grew up as a Catholic. Talk about tradition. Okay. but when I became a Christian, I found out that being in Pentecostal and charismatic churches, that we have at times as much tradition as the Catholic Church does. And he said, what are you talking about? There's certain things that we like it a certain way. We like things a certain way. I like rearranging the chairs in our church. Ask Harold and Jean. Every six months, I will rearrange the chairs in the church just because I want to. And we have, like right now, I believe they're set up like this. A set of seats there, there, center this way. This fall, I'm going to split them. So it'll be 10, 11 chairs this way, center aisle. The poor person that's locked into sitting in their own seat every week gets messed up for a little bit. Where's my chair? <laughs> and they all look the same. And what so I'm saying, now I'm, I'm using some basic stuff here. But as we progress in the things of God, there is a move of God that's upon us. that's going to rattle us. It's going to cause us to rearrange our values, rearrange our thinking, rearrange the way we do things, even rearrange the way we feel about things in church. I shared this back when I first started coming here last uh, May. You know, everyone has an opinion. Somebody asked me this morning, uh, what's your opinion on this? I said, I don't have an opinion. That's the way we should be, right? But we all have opinions. If I asked you on, you know, what's your opinion on today's weather? Some of you would say it's great. Some of you say it could be better. Some of you say, well, just hang on. It's going to rain. You know, I mean, we all voice things a certain way. But to look at what God is doing in the body of Christ, what God is doing in this region by his spirit, he is setting a stage. And when God sets a stage, it's a good thing. As I shared earlier, God created the heavens and the earth, everything in him. He called everything good. But when God sets a stage, sometimes it baffles us on why he does certain things the way that he does. He did not not ask my permission, which I'm offended that God didn't ask my permission. Think about it. We respond that way. He's speaking to his servants concerning this move of God. And I've got news for you. You don't have to leave this region. And by that, I mean, you don't have to think that God bypasses a state or God forgets a state or God forgets a region. God is everywhere; is present and nowhere's absent. We know that. How many of you brought God with you to church today? You didn't. He was already here. That's a trick question, by the way. How many of you brought the Holy Spirit with you here today? Same thing, right? Yes, He lives on the inside of us, but God is everywhere's present. So, to begin to line up our thinking with the plan, the kingdom of God, the kingdom way we find that God is starting to do things. We look at things right in the immediate. We always see things in the present. Sometimes we live too much in the past. Sometimes we dream too much about the future. But we lock ourselves in the present, and sometimes we just can't see clearly the whole picture. But then God begins to reveal it to us by His Spirit. And by His Spirit, He begins to speak things to us. And this word that He's dropped in my heart, I want to share it with you today. What will it look like? Thank you, that's beautiful. What will it look like? We can get alarmed sometimes. We can get all, you know, frustrated. I've been watching the progress of a church here in Maine. And and the church itself was a very traditional, but a very large church but it's very a traditional, and by that I mean an old-time, somewhat old-time, old-fashioned Pentecostal church. And the pastor had been there for a long time. A great pastor. Had a vision for beyond his region. In a town of 300 population, he built a 1,000-seat auditorium. That's a vision. Name was Pastor Libby, Ronnie Libby. Some of you may have known his name. Ronnie Libby had passed away, but prior to that, he resigned his position as pastor of the Charleston Pentecostal Church. A young man filled his shoes, or tried to fill his shoes, by the name of Pastor Matt Ward. Now, Pastor Matt Ward is a young, young man, generation, removed from Brother Libby, basically. But yet, took a church and brought about changes because, number one, he was not... Pastor Libby. He is Pastor Matt Ward. And God had placed a call upon him and shown him things so he could lead the church forward. And the church is growing. Massive youth program now. They're touching generations, not just one generation. But he did things that if I'm thinking, if this would have been done Thirty years ago in that church, there would have been a major rift. I mean, it would have blown apart. But yet people begin to understand the kingdom of God is bigger than my kingdom. The kingdom of God is bigger than my plans and my wishes. So what God is doing, what's it going to look like? You say, oh, you know, there's going to be some change. Guess what? You've got a new pastor coming. Let him dream the dreams of God for this region. Let him put those things in motion as he's led by God. And you watch what God does in this region. You watch how God moves in this region, in the whole state of Maine. God is bringing them here to be part of what he's doing in our state. Praise God. But you know, sometimes people get alarmed, get nervous. What's going to happen? You know, we're going to watch this. We're going to monitor this. We're going to dissect this every week. Let God be God. Let God be God. So, in this portion of Scripture, Joel chapter 2, verse 23... I want to share this with you today and challenge you. I am... You heard my, uh, my heart and my wife's heart a couple of weeks ago. How I many of we you were here for when my wife preached? She has preached this word and it has been a word that has challenged every one of us. It's a word concerning what God is going to do, but also in light of the present. But to see the heart Of two people. I'm not looking for the church's worst days ahead of us. I'm looking for the church's best days ahead of us. Some people are preaching gloom and doom. Guess what? The world is going to experience gloom and doom. But I'm in the world, not of the world. I am a child of God and I'm going to experience the blessing, the outpouring, the favor, the goodness of God in the land of the living. That's what I'm going to experience Yes, we're going to be challenged. Yes, we're being stressed. Yes, we're looking at possible persecution to the body of Christ, even in our own country. But praise God, it is an opportunity for us to move forward in the power of the Holy Spirit that God is going to bring about in us. Joel 2.23 says, Be glad then, you children of Zion. And rejoice in the Lord your God, for He has given you the former rain faithfully, and He will cause the rain to come down for you, the former rain and the latter rain, in the first month. Very familiar portion of Scripture. We know the rain refers to the Holy Spirit. We know that He's speaking about something mighty, something massive to happen. You know, in this area, as it is home, we have the spring rains. The farmers gauge their planning. By the spring rains, then we have the fall rains. We have harvest time after the fall rains. This is speaking of an outpouring. Former and the latter together in the first month, God is doing a new thing. But even before He does the new thing, I want you to see what He says. It's a simple command: Be glad. Be glad. Smile a while. Give your face a rest. Hello? He's saying, be glad. Rejoice even before it happens, knowing that God is not a man that he lies and it will happen. So this former reign, this latter reign wrapped up together upon the people of God. I want you to understand some of this. The former reign, the move of the Holy Spirit. The latter rain, the move of the Holy Spirit, combining both. These are are times, seasons that have happened in the body of Christ that are coming together. And guess what happens after the fall rains? The harvest. We're believing God for a great harvest. Now, some of you are fairly new in the Lord. How many of you are less than 10 years old as as a Christian? Raise your hand. Less than 10 years. How many of you are less than 20? Raise your hand. How many of you are more than 20? Raise your hand. I want to make sure you understand the question. Okay. (laughs) I am 37 years old in the Lord. That's old. I'm 55 years old, but I'm 37 years old in the Lord. But, you know, I've seen some things, I've experienced some things, I've walked in some things, I've thanked God for the way He's led things, or, or led us into some things. Now, I want to share with you the former and the latter reign according to our last century, let's say. I want, I want to begin to explain to some of you concerning the Holy Spirit, because I believe the body of Christ is a misconception on the Holy Spirit. Most of the body of Christ believe that the Holy Spirit has come here to make me feel good in worship or in praise, and that's it. Jesus said you'll receive power after the Holy Spirit comes upon you. So the number one reason for the Holy Spirit is power. And that power makes us to be witnesses. That we will share, we will express our faith in the Lord to other people. So what I'm sharing in the next few moments concerning the former and the latter rain. This is from my studies This is from things that I've looked at in the past on what I call the former reign of the last century. Some of you are familiar with Azusa Street. Raise your hand. A lot of you are not familiar with Azusa Street. Azusa Street was where, back in the early 1900s, a move of God was brought about in the U.S. It started with uh, in Kansas by a group of people who were hungry to experience what they read in the Word. Isn't that amazing? They were tired of tradition. They were tired of the way things were. You know, even in tradition today, the Holy Spirit, when you talk about supernatural signs and wonders, when you talk about tongues, interpretations, the gifts of the Spirit, a lot of the traditional church gets nervous. Why? Because we have no control over that stuff. And what we can't control, sometimes we fear. And here in the Azusa Street... A move of God, an outpouring of the Holy Spirit that literally transformed a generation and brought the spirit message, what I'm saying, not just the gospel, but the gospel and power throughout the world. The Holy Spirit being poured out. The preacher himself would testify of hiding behind a a, a crate. That was his pulpit. And the Holy Spirit would work in people. healing, supernatural signs and wonders, things that we've dreamed of or things that we've read in the word, were taking place on an ongoing basis. People were getting saved, touched, filled with the Holy Spirit, sent to the four corners of the earth to preach the gospel. This message: God was calling people to the ministry, but before they launched out, they were equipped. The words of Jesus, you will receive power after the Holy Spirit has come upon you and you'll be my witnesses. And they had received the power. They didn't just speak in tongues, but they demonstrated the power of God. So I call this move that affected a whole generation. I call this the former reign of the last century. And by that, I'm going to give you some things, some statistics, some facts concerning this former reign. And then I'm going to bring it to the more present move of God, what I call the latter reign. I'm not referring to a doctrine or a teaching that you may have heard. I'm referring to an experience that took place. The former reign had some great qualities. If, you're right, if you want to write notes down, please, this would be important to you. Great quality in the former, of rain. If you study the outpouring of the Holy Spirit that took place at that time, you will see things that happened that were a, a, a positive light. I mean, it was just in a positive light. Number one, these people had stability in the basic doctrines of the church. Now, we live in a society right now that wants something to do with doctrine because we think it's bondage. Let's just love Jesus and let it just be me and Jesus. Well, that is a false teaching. It can never be just you and Jesus, because Jesus has a body, Hello, of which we're all connected. So, but they had stability in the basic doctrines. They were very committed to church attendance. These people didn't just go to church one Sunday morning. These people went to church every night, every day. And they still held their jobs. Now, I'm not saying this is the norm, but during this outpouring, this was what was going on. These people had the mindset, you know, I was glad. this is what they would say, I was glad when they said unto me, let us go to the house of the Lord. We know that we're the temple, that we are the house of the Lord, but we get to gather together in this country into buildings, into places where God's people congregate together to worship, to hear the Word, to see the move of the Holy Spirit. These were very committed. They had standards of holiness, inward and outward. I'm not talking about legalism now. But they had standards. In other words, they were committed to certain things to even live a certain way. You've heard this said many times, and I'll share it, I'll repeat it, that it is getting pretty hard to tell the difference between a Christian and a non-Christian today. Unless you look at their bumper sticker. Just kidding. (laughs) Just kidding. In some places, it's very hard. There's no defining line. I'm not saying we have to dress a certain way. Please I'm not saying you have to act a certain way. But there should be a glow. You understand what I'm saying? There should be a presence about you. The presence of God. Not just in the building, but outside the building. On the job. They had little room for compromise. They didn't compromise the Word of God. What was the Word of God to them? What they understood the, the, the Bible as the Word of God. And at the same time, they experienced mighty moves of the Spirit. Things were happening. And signs and wonders were commonplace. They were not accused of being something that they were not. I want to share this. A lot of Christians today who are Spirit-filled, claim to be Spirit-filled, but for some reason it just doesn't add up to what Spirit-filled living is supposed to be. The power of God. Did you know that more Christians have problems on the inside that they can't seem to get rid of? And sometimes more so than what the world has. That's sad. That's sad. When we have a, a profession that we are Christians and we believe that God can do anything. But he's just not doing it for me. Understand what I'm saying he can do it for you. He can do it for you. But I'm not sure about myself. And we have, you know, we sang about this morning, but we have fears as Christians. There are many Christians living, and, and I'm going to share this in love, but real nice, but I'm going to share it anyhow. More Christians living and having to live this way with medication in order to cope life. There's something wrong there. Um, Please don't, don't feel condemned if you're on medication. I'm going to give you the best way. The Holy Spirit, when the power of God comes on the inside, He doesn't just transform my mind, but He can renew my body also. I cannot preach that Jesus saves. I cannot preach that Jesus will take care of all your problems if I'm experiencing the problem myself. In other words, I may drive a junk car and try to sell it to you as a great, the best, it's classic, it's worth money, it's the best thing, but I can't even start it. Understand what I'm saying? Christians not having that 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 reputation. They weren't accused of being something they were not. In other words, people say, this is where we got the phrases, and please don't get alarmed, but they're holy rollers. How many of you have ever seen a holy roller? I mean, literally, a holy roller. Some of you are saying, what? I've seen one holy roller in my life. And it wasn't man putting on a show, it was God. Now, I'm not saying that when you feel the Holy Spirit that everybody's going to roll or swing off the lights and make it a big circus in here. That's all what I'm saying. But I remember when I was a young Christian, it was one of those services where the Holy Spirit was present. There were signs and wonders taking place. And I remember people standing at the front of the church. And this man got slain in the spirit. How many know what slain in the spirit means? Okay, just want to make sure. I mean this man went down. I knew this guy. He went down. Then all of a sudden he starts rolling across the front of the church. Now, get this now. The church is lined the people lined up in the front of the church. He gets slain here, and as he's rolling, people who are eyes closed, praising God, are just as he's rolling by. Never hit anyone. Nobody ever stepped on him. And when he got to the end or to that side of the building, he came back across the same thing. And I say, well, how does that? That's got to be demonic. Really, right? It's demonic. No, it's not demonic. But that's what we call holy rollers, for those of you who may not have known. So don't feel bad if you never roll for Jesus. Okay, don't feel bad about it. This group had a great zeal for the lost. Literally, people were in services at Azusa Street. The Spirit of God would minister to them. They would go home, pack a suitcase, and get on the next boat out of there. They didn't go through missions boards. They didn't go raise their support for years. They didn't do any of the stuff that's required today, and for good reason. But they literally got on boats. Now, some went on their own, but some were literally called. And God used them mightily in the world, so or around the world. So this is one of the, or these are some of the positive qualities of this former reign. Now, guess what? There's always a negative side, right? How many want to hear about the negative side? Of course, you do. (laughs) Everybody wants to hear the negative side. One thing, some of some of the things that that were negative concerning this former reign is that it developed a group of people that were very narrow-minded. Straight-laced. And, and they, they couldn't see beyond. You know, They're like the horse with blinders. They couldn't see beyond. They couldn't see what was really happening in the world. Some, of, some were religious. They were self-righteous. In other words, they would look at others and say, I'm so glad I'm not like them. <laughs> self-righteous. Religious we think religious are people who hinder the move of the spirit Well, that could be one aspect of it But religious people are people who think they've got it all together by themselves They don't recognize the full grace of God or the working of God Their service for the Lord was out of balance. Now, I'm gonna explain this How many know that how many of you work a job full-time job raise your hand? Did you know that the Holy Spirit begins to move in your life in a greater degree Unless he calls you into a full-time ministry position, you're still going to hold a job. Some people would give up. They would just quit their jobs and say, I'm just going to go preach. Now, they called themselves to go preach and they starved. Their lives are out of balance. In other words, they were living with the influence of the Holy Spirit while ignoring the basic necessities of life. Does that make sense? They were missing the full plan of God. They were getting busy in things that God did not call them to. They called themselves to. There was confusion and so forth because of that. There, there, um, what, created, what was created because of it were strong divisions. Now, I've seen some strong divisions in the body of Christ in my so many years of being a Christian. I've seen strong divisions. And I've, I've seen them for the sake of this here. It all started to that first negative quality, narrow minded. Narrow minded means I'm not willing to sit down with you and talk to you about the situation because I'm right and you're wrong. Hello? That's narrow mindedness. I'm not willing to even give it a chance. I'm not willing to even move forward in that direction. As a pastor, I remember in my younger days as a pastor, you know, I met some narrow minded people. As parishioners and people outside the church, who had it all set, this is the way it is. Some of them had no biblical backing, but this is the way it is, and it creates division in the body of Christ. Now, you glad you heard the negative? Let's move forward now to the latter rain. The latter rain again. I'm not. I'm not talking about a teaching. I'm talking about an experience which happened in the last century. These were, were things that took place. And, um, you know, we had the, the former reign. Let me give you the dates from the 1900s to 1950s, roughly. Don't hold me to the exact date or year, please. And then, of course, the latter reign, which is where we, a lot of us who are born again and have been serving God for quite some time now, fell into, and that is the charismatic outpouring. How many know what I'm talking about, charismatic outpouring? This is where the Holy Spirit chose to bypass traditions of men. This is where the Holy Spirit decided to move and fill people in every denomination. Whether the denomination said, we do not believe that. First person I ever saw get filled the Holy Spirit speaking in tongues was in a Catholic church. It blew me away. Of course, we were there for which this is something during the charismatic movement. Denominations and traditional denominations were experimenting with things. And in this church... Fort Kent Church that I grew up in. There was a week-long teaching on the Holy Spirit. The priest who taught it said this from the start. He said, now on Friday evening, we are going to pray that the Holy Spirit will fill you. Thinking back, that's against Catholic teaching. Because you already have the Holy Spirit at confirmation. And that you're going to speak in tongues. Tongues. We went to every night. My my wife we weren't even married. We were dating. This is where how we took care of our dates. We went to prayer meetings and Bible study. And so but we, we were sitting on, on the edge, second pew from the front. Catholic Church in Fort Kent has got excellent acoustics. I mean, it's awesome. If you don't know how to sing, this church will make you sound good just by singing in that church. But the priest did his thing, began to pray, and there's some music in the background. All of a sudden, the lady sitting in this side, right on the edge next to me, literally lit up off the pew. I mean, she literally poof jumped right up and was speaking in tongues as loud as she could. I looked at that and I thought, I don't know if I want that. You understand what I'm saying? Again, I wasn't even born again. But I attended this, this meeting or these series of meetings. But here we have, you know, from the charismatic of the 60s to even the our present day, to some degree, we've had the former reign. There's been a lull in the last several years. But in that charismatic outpouring, you know, we have seen there's there's minimal uh, from from what I call the end of that charismatic time to the present. There's been a minimal uh, cooperation with the body of Christ concerning these things. So, in this, in this latter reign, there are some positive qualities about it. I'm giving you a little lesson today. Positive qualities. Number one, there was great zeal for the things of God. Those of you who were part of it, you know it. I mean, you, you whatever, let's go, let's do it. There was a zeal for the things of God. There was a willingness to break barriers. In other words, the traditions didn't hold you anymore. You were hungry for God. You wanted all of God. You weren't bound by traditions of your own or even religious traditions. You were willing to go beyond. You know, where, where people say you can't go there, you were willing to do it. And, and this is what happened in this time. There was a hunger for the move of the Spirit. There was a strong emphasis on the gifts of the Spirit. You know, it's, it's sad, but in America today... You look at the ministries that are on TV. They're not reaching the lost, but they're trying to reach the church. There's little teaching or emphasis on the gifts of the Spirit. There's love and grace. Well, praise God for love and grace. But guess what? There's more than love and grace. But the gifts of the Spirit, there's a great hunger and emphasis for the gifts. There's a greater hunger for the Word of God. And there's a liberty in worship. Listen, I was part, as a Catholic, In the mid 70s, when we brought this charismatic movement is going on, I'm not a born again Christian, but as a young um, 14, 15 year old boy, I was willing to put together a group for the Saturday night mass where we had guitars and drums, drums in the Catholic church, mind you, Pentecostal church still can't get drums in the church. Catholic Church. So we had a group. We had a little choir of about 50 school uh, same age as, as I am. The oldest one in the group was 18 years old. She played guitar. I played guitar. We had a drummer. My cousin played drums. And you know, I remember the old priest and he had been there for, I mean, he was there when I was born. And he had been there I think when my dad was born. So. But he was sitting down when the first service and I remember playing guitar and, and watching him and his face turned beet red. He did not like it. But you know, he was willing to allow it. It was non-traditional music. How many remember the, the, the charismatic worship praise songs of the late 60s, 70s? I remember those. I mean, they were different than your traditional music. But we got, we got, you know, in that place, there was a liberty in worship. Before we formed this group, there had been another group that he had basically told to go. Didn't want them anymore. And I remember this group. This was the early 70s. And women were doing certain things with parts of their clothing back then. How many know what I'm talking about? They're burning their bras. Well, guess what? They were happy for Jesus. And they would stand in front of the Catholic Church and be dancing, jumping, and you understand, you get the visual. Now, let's bring it back to the message, okay? You got the visual there. So, (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> you got the visual Priest said, uh-uh, we're not doing this But they tried to bring a liberty in worship And again, there's so far, you can go so far I'm not saying we bring that back um, no, Please Although Although You've got to give room to grow I'm going to tell the story There's a church in, in New Orleans That I heard the pastor share this And he was a man in the 60s That God called a certain church A hundred member Assembly of God church had been a hundred members since the cross. And, and just wasn't growing. And he came in as a pastor, and for five years, he could never bring the church above a hundred. Every time he brought to the, the um, board members and the congregation about things that he felt God was leading him to, it was shot down. No way. And what he did in one board meeting he took a bold step. And it was like a seven-member board. And, and uh, there were you know, husbands and wives that served on the board together. And pretty much a family-run type church. And he started the board meeting. He said, I've been here for five years. I've tried to follow the leading of the Holy Spirit. I've tried to lead this church into the areas that God wants this church to be in. but," And he had specific resistance from one member of the board and he said because of her and he pointed right at her he said i cannot do anything cuz she controls the rest of you. Can you imagine a pastor saying that to a board those are grounds to be fired possibly but before it could come to that he threw on the table his resignation he said god's called me here but i can't do what i need to do so this is my resignation i'm leaving They said, Pastor, you can't leave. You can't leave. He said, well, here are the options. She leaves or I leave. She left. The rest of the board decided they did what they wanted to do but weren't (laughs) bold enough to do. And they, they took care of this lady. They fired her. God began to move in that church. And I'm sharing this with you because of the hunger this person had. I want you guys to get hungry for a move of God. I want you guys to get hungry for a move, a supernatural move of the Holy Spirit. And so he went on, and the next thing that he did was very simple. He went to the newspaper. Now, this is a Catholic-run city back in the 60s, New Orleans. And he went to the newspaper with an ad. He said, I want this in the paper. And they read it. He said, sir, we can't do that. So said, what do you mean you can't do it? He said, the priests will jump all over this and come against us. He said, I don't care if the priest comes against you. I live in this city, and you need to publish this, or I'll sue this paper. Pretty bold. And the announcement was this healing services, time, date, all are welcome. Simple, simple announcement. That service, the Sunday morning that it was called for, he told his worship leader, he said, Listen, lead in worship, but at some point I'm coming up to the platform. And when you see me come up to the platform, just yield. You know, stop what you're doing, just still play me, but yield. And so he felt at a certain time, and the only two people that he had noticed in the congregation that were new was a drunk man sitting on the back pew, and a lady sitting next to him, totally crippled and twisted and, you know, in rough shape. So he said, is there anyone here that would like Jesus to heal them this morning? That's quite a question, right? And when he said that, the man who was drunk raised his hand and pointed at his wife. Well, he got up, staggering. The ushers carried this lady to the front. She couldn't walk. She had been in a wheelchair. They brought her in and so forth, sat her down. They bring her in. So you have her husband standing there, the wife standing there. And he lays hands on her head. And says, in the name of Jesus, and then all of a sudden he could hear crack, 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 crack. Things got adjusted, turned totally healed right there. He never prayed any big elaborate prayer. He didn't bind 300 demons. He didn't, you know, he didn't go through all the, 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 the stuff sometimes that we go through. But he just said, in the name of Jesus, and she was totally healed. This man sees his wife totally healed, bows at the altar, pulls out his rosary. That's a known thing for him. He's a Catholic man. And the usher said, we've got to stop him. pastor said, no, no, you leave him alone. He's connecting to God. So he led him to the Lord. These two people got saved. Well, come to find out, the richest man in New Orleans just got saved. His wife just got healed. Nobody else knew that. Five years later, this man is already in the church. He's active in the church. The pastor was gone, got a call. This man just suffered a massive heart attack. He's in the hospital, not expected to live. pastor rushes to the hospital. By then... It's a Catholic-run hospital. For those of you who grew up Catholic, you know what I'm talking about. Communities were run by the Catholic Church. I grew up in such a community. The nuns would meet him because most of the nuns were nurses. They would meet the pastor and say, hello, Father. They called him Father. That's how they related to him. He went in the room, saw him. There was an oxygen tent, for those of you who can think that far back. An oxygen tent. Saw the man laying there. Got the report. Not expected to make it through the night. The pastor reaches underneath the the oxygen tent, places his hand on his chest. He says from his own testimony that when I laid my hand on his chest, I felt another hand on my hand. And there's nobody else in the room. And he said, in the name of Jesus, I command you to live and not die. To be healed. And he got done his prayer. Fifteen minutes later, the man is sitting up in bed totally healed. Now, this is what we're talking about, folks. Some say, well, that's that's too far-fetched. This is what I'm talking about. This is what's going to happen. This is what it's going to look like in the next few years. We're going to see an outpouring of God's Spirit. I'm getting ahead of myself here, but again, there was that, that ability, going back to that liber- liberty and worship, revival broke out in that whole area. This is where, at that time, the mid-60s, there was a movement going on in America. The hippie movement was on. Guess who started coming to church? Guess who started sitting in the front rows? These couples, these women, these men, that didn't look like church people. I mean, they had sandals on and cut off jeans and t shirts and sometimes no shirt. And, you know, and and of course, they would get right into the worship while the traditional people sat in the back and judged. Hello? Judge them. People come up to the pastor, you got to do something. I mean, did you see that girl dancing? I mean, it was obvious that she had removed part of her wardrobe. And they tried to get the pastor to come down hard on these people. He said, no, we're going to love them, but we're going to be examples of Christians and not Pharisees. Hello? <laughs> and when I heard this testimony in 1980... He said, if you come to my church, I will introduce you to all that group that came in. They're all now active members in the church. Some are board members. They're leaders in ministry. I mean, they've cleaned up their act. They're not living the same way they used to live. But he said, God did the work. The church went from 100 to 6,000 in just a few years. Now, if you call that a work of the devil, you are confused. (laughs) The devil is not in the habit of saving and healing people. Hello? So that they can give God the glory. Think about it. So in the negative qualities of that move, and please bear with me, there were some careless attitudes that took place. There were some, some um, failures to be governed by certain guidelines. This is where some of the teaching of just Jesus and me came about. Uh, they were more apt to fall. When they fell, they fell hard. In other words, you had this person totally cleaned up, you know, the Lord's working in his life, living for God, serving God, everything. But because of certain things not being allowed in their lives, they would fall. And some wouldn't recover the way they needed to. They, their experience was based a lot on feelings and not on the Word of God. There is ignorance in basic biblical truth. We're seeing some of this today still happening. Little discipline in the priorities of Christianity. You know that Christianity has priorities. I call them the New Testament commandments, not the Old Testament commandments. The New Testament commandments. You'll find the Apostle Paul, Peter, James, others would share certain things to the church. Said these things we have. He wasn't leaving it up as an option, but we had to do this. And so, and there were certain things that were the focus on basic survival techniques. In other words. I'm going to share this. I share this as a pastor, as an apostolic figure who has served God for quite a few years. And I have observed things. A lot of the modern day Christian music today is nothing but garbage. Not based on truth. Based on feeling and emotion. People who accept the Lord Jesus Christ, people who are supposed to fill the Holy Spirit, yet still hungering to the point of desperation. Now, I know we hunger for God. Please don't mistake that. But to the point that you know they have to have a fix every day or every time they meet. If they don't get a fix, then they really haven't served God, and they find themselves or they, we find them condemning themselves. I heard a young group this week that we connected with. How many have ever heard of Unspoken? There are mainers, or two Mainers in, in the group. My son used to play with Unspoken for a few years. Unspoken was in Presque and Holton this week, but we went to the Prescal uh, concert. They were helping a Christian school raise some money. And these boys, I still call them boys, but two from Maine, one from Dominican Republic, one from, um, well, he's Puerto Rican, but he's from New Jersey, and uh, just a diverse group. They did a concert, which really was a time of worship. And their songs, most of them they wrote wrote, had meat to them. In other words, there was something solid. It wasn't just about, I need you, Jesus. I need you, Jesus. I need you, Jesus. There was meat to what they had. That shows me of a growth as far as their relationship with God. See, as my relationship and your relationship grows in God, we begin to grow in the things of God. We begin to see God as He is. More revelation in the things of God. And so, you know, I was real pleased. I met them after the, the concert and, and I said, you know, guys, I'm really, and of course, Chad is one of the writers. But I said, Chad, I said, I'm really, really so grateful that you guys aren't into the entertainment side of it. But you're into the ministry side of it. That's a blessing. A lot of groups aren't. It's entertainment. A lot of groups of the past weren't. They confessed to that. Most of them were high on drugs most of the time that they sang in churches. That's sad. That's sad. This came out of this. Focus on basic survival. So what does it all mean? How is it going to look like? Can the Lord, you know, work on something better? Well... I believe he can. The former and the latter rain, what I call for our generation, the former and the latter rain being poured out together in the first month. This is a powerful move of God. If you compare the two great moves of God of the last century in America and you put those two together, you're going to have an awesome move. Right now we're focused on the negative of the politics of the land. Hello? How many of you watched the the, uh, little uh, debate the other night? Just a few of you. I didn't because I can't get it up there. I don't have the channel. I, did get, I wanted to see how Donald Trump did. <laughs> you know, I just, I just had to see how it would come out because, you know, he's kind of the, the loose cannon. And, uh, but, you know, I'm thinking you know, this is the attitude of people in America today. We are focusing on the negative. Our country is in a mess. Our politics are in a mess and so forth. And I'm not here to preach politics or try to fix the nation's problem. I am here to share that the answer for America will happen in the churches across America. Will happen as the churches get filled with the Holy Spirit again. Believe for the outpouring of God. And believe for the time of signs and wonders in the earth. Seeing God do and being involved in it. Everybody say involved. I have a responsibility. You have a responsibility in this move. The qualities, the good of both moves will come upon the church. Then, you know, we'll be able to, if we can do this again, you know, be glad. Rejoice. Rejoice. Be glad. Let's stop looking at the negative of the land. Let's look at the positive that's going on. Hello? Let's stop looking. You know, I live in Aroostook County, which is called a poverty stricken county. I refuse to look at the poverty stricken mentality of the county. I refuse it. Because I believe God's in the county. Why? Because I'm there. Is that biblical? Absolutely. Who's in me? Am I not the temple? Of God, God does not stop in Bangor and refuse to go further north. Hello, people do that. (laughs) Is there life north of Bangor? Absolutely. (laughs) But think about it. You know, we focus on the oh the the county or this part of Maine or that part of Maine or that part of the U.S. and so and we label things and we put impossible over them. The Church of Jesus Christ will flourish. It's not going down, it's going up. It will flourish in the Spirit of God. Be glad. Rejoice in the promises of God. Rejoice in the promises of His blessing. Rejoice in the promise of the outpouring of the Spirit of God. Rejoice in the signs and wonders. Rejoice in what God has said He's going to do. Remember the Scriptures again further on? In the last days, God says, Peter quoted Joel on the day of Pentecost, God says, God says, God says that in the last days, He is going to pour out His Spirit upon all flesh. And then He starts talking about supernatural signs and wonders. Praise God. To see, to dwell on the positive. There are people that come in and say, you know, Pastor, the church is in bad. Well, the church is in bad shape. Why? Because we lack the things of God in our lives. We're more focused on negative stuff. We need to be focused on the Spirit of God. Jesus said it. You'll receive power after the Holy Spirit has come upon you. I'm I'm, I'm almost not done. Just a warning. I'm getting there. I'm getting there. Trust me. I have to share this today because I'm excited about what's going to happen here in this area. I'm excited about what God is going to do. You need to get excited about it. Some of you are still looking at the negative side of it. Look at the positive side of it. Look at what God has promised. Look at what God is doing. What has happened here this summer has been, you know, sometimes we've looked at it and say, oh, you know, we don't know. No, let's look at what God has been doing here this summer. God is preparing a people to receive a man of God. God has brought this thing about. And you're going to get a new pastor in two weeks from today. I mean, you already have him. But the official day, two weeks from today, and he is going to be a man of God that's going to lead this church into the things of God. Do not put reins on him. Do not restrain him. Let him follow God. People who follow God, by the way, aren't dictators. I just thought I'd throw that out there. (laughs) That's free. There's no charge for that one. Be glad, you children of Zion. Rejoice in the Lord your God. He's given it to you before. Now He's going to give you something bigger. I mean, how many of you have ever been in a big downpour? I mean, it's like, you know, if you walk out, you might get knocked out by one of these drops. How many of you know what I'm talking about? I mean, it's just a downpour. We've had a lot of them up home this summer. You know, it's like it's clear one minute and all of a sudden you see the clouds, it's black, it's just a mess, and all of a sudden it starts to rain. And it starts to rain hard. And it gets, you know, to the place, it's like you hear the patter. I mean, you know, it's just, um, you're just worried, you know, for, for plants, you're worried for all kinds of things, because this rain is heavy. God is going to send an outpouring upon the earth in these last days. Former and the latter rain. Now, I want to give you something that the Lord gave me uh, a few years ago concerning this, but I want, you, I want you to hear it. The Lord is saying, this is a prophetic word that He gave to me, the Lord is saying that He's going to bring about an outpouring of His Spirit that will take both the previous outpourings and blend them together, a mixing of the positive qualities uh, of both to come upon the church. The church of Jesus Christ will come into an anointing, an authority and ability he has not seen before this will result in a move of god that will affect the world as for the body of christ we will experience an infusion of god's spirit into our lives that will affect us for the remainder of our lives we will walk with devotion with zeal with stability and a greater hunger for god than we've ever had we will live for the lord first and foremost the will of the lord will be the number one thing on our life's agenda our worship to Him will be based on a relationship instead of desire and hunger. We will attempt things in the Spirit that will bring glory and honor to the Lord. Our commitment to Him will be greater than what we've ever experienced. It will be, it will be based, excuse me, on a love commitment or a love relationship, and not a have-to experience. The church will rise to a place of no longer being self-motivated, self served self-centered, but to a place of service to the Master. Our desires, our wants, and passions will directly be affected by this infusion of God's Spirit. Slothfulness will be replaced by great zeal for the Lord, His will, His work. This is part of a word that the Lord gave me a few years ago. I shared this in an apostolic meeting years ago when the Lord first gave to me. I was asked to share a little bit and I brought the whole word to this group. And this is how most of the leaders responded. Want we get it? This is people that aren't quite in tune with what God is doing. They're just meeting for the sake of meeting. They said, Well that was a nice poem. (laughs) I laughed and I said, Oh man, oh man, you're not getting it. It's not a poem, it's a prophetic declaration, a prophetic word to the body of Christ today. But think about it. These things, you know, the Lord Himself, an anointing being placed upon the church, an authority, an ability that it has never come into. Think about it. Never come into. We've never experienced this. To be able to walk to somebody without even laying hands or going through some charismatic, chaotic, gyro of whatever and say be healed and that person is healed you don't have to go explain to them now listen accept it by faith your healing will come be healed or to see somebody in need where there's demonic oppression or even demonic possession and not run out the door because you fear it but to look at a demon and say come out be gone and not have to worry well you know pastor weird things weird things you know that demon's going to jump all over give me a break Where is that in Scripture that the demon's going to jump on me if I get too close? That's not in Scripture. But that's a boldness that comes upon the body of Christ to be able to do the works of Christ. You want to live in tradition? Knock yourself out. I want to live in power and experience. The move of the Holy Spirit. The body of Christ receiving, experiencing this. Seeing the hand of God move through them. And so with that... I bring you this scripture, Acts chapter 2, verse 42 through 47. I believe he's going to put it up there. Acts chapter 2, verse 42 to 47. They devoted themselves to the apostles teaching and to the fellowship, to the breaking of bread and to prayer. First thing you want. I don't like using the term formulas, but here's a formula in scripture concerning how God moves. They, the church, devoted themselves. They were committed to the apostles' doctrine. Have you ever studied the apostles' doctrine? Can I give you the apostles' doctrine in a nutshell? You ready for this? This is deep. Jesus Christ lived, died, rose, resurrected, and coming back. And they used the Old Testament to preach it. Think about that. The apostles, they devoted themselves to the teachings. Paul, the apostle. Peter, the apostle. They would receive revelation from the Word, from the Spirit, and they would share this, and people devoted themselves to it. You know what we have in the body of Christ today? People come to church all across America and even across the world, all around the world, where they sit down and they critique preachers' messages and they pick and choose. what they want to live by you know i did something really really non-mark babin last night i got hungry a little bit uh, later on so i went to walmart and of course i he hollered to me from part i said i'm not home and people are hollering my name in a parking lot and i thought you know and and uh, i went to walmart and i got myself a rotisserie chicken now we're approaching lunch time so i'm gonna make you hungry the smell was awesome it's like it had been out there for about 10 minutes I love chicken. I don't care if Walmart cooks it or my wife cooks it or I cook it. I love chicken. And here, even in Haiti, I love chicken, folks. But here was this nice, not a big, so small chicken, rotisserie. I mean, it's just glazed and, you know, just. Can you smell it? Okay, (laughs) yeah. And so I got to the apartment and I did what we do in church. I just like white meat. Guess what? I just ate the white meat on the chicken. That's what I like. But I bought the whole chicken. We in church sometimes we come we come and there's a, a meal. There's there's a, a message being shared or brought forth and we take what we want. Because we relate it to what we're going through or how we're living, and sometimes we may not totally agree. And the other thing is that these people committed themselves, devoted themselves to the apostles' doctrine, which means that they had accepted, I want you to hear this now, they had accepted the authority that Jesus placed in the church. The apostles were leading the church at the time. They submitted themselves to the apostles' doctrine. They submitted themselves to apostles. Today, there's not much reverence. And I say that in the right way. Reverence for the men and the women of God that God sends to churches. We pick and choose. Well, that's his opinion. That's her opinion. Some of you may have even said that this morning. That's all right. They devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and to fellowship. Everybody say fellowship. This tears down the me and Jesus philosophy. They devoted themselves to it. In other words, the church got together. You know, we live in a society where it's hard to get together. Sunday morning is about the only time that most congregations gather. You can get together for other things outside, and that's fine, but for a congregation, for people to get together in fellowship. I've found this to be true, and probably every pastor in this area would say the same thing. You want to fill the house of God today? Have a bean supper. Hello? In other words, let's come for food. Which is fellowship. That's good. But let's call a prayer meeting. Hello? Brian, am I right? Yeah, thank you. (laughs) The fellowship. Fellowship's important. We pull from one another. We encourage one another. We need one another. Don't go hide in a cave somewhere. It's pretty lonely in a cave. Don't go separate yourself. Be part of what God is doing. The breaking of bread, communion to prayer. I want you to see this now. Everyone was filled with awe. That does not mean they all went, Okay. They were filled with awe and many wonders and miraculous signs were done by the Apostles. All the believers were gathered together and had everything in common, a common, excuse me, selling their possessions and goods. They gave to anyone as he had need. Every day they continued to meet together in the temple courts. They broke bread in their homes. They ate together with glad and sincere hearts, praising God and enjoying the favor of all the people. And the Lord added to their number daily those who were being saved. Don't tell me. That the days are too hard. Don't tell me that it's too difficult to get people saved, to get people into the kingdom. These were worse days. Talking about the early church in the days of Rome. Have you seen the movie Gladiator? Okay. Have you seen, you know, some of these things? Have you read about, you know, what happened to the Christians in Rome or in the world? These are things that were taking place in their day. It was actually against the law to be a Christian. Not too far removed from that, are we? But think about it. But yet the church flourished. Why? Because they devoted themselves. This is how this outpouring will come to pass. So, in closing, I am closing right now. I am closing. The positive of what's going to happen in these days, and I want you to get yourselves ready for it. I want you to submit yourselves to the Lord even more than you ever had. Stability in the doctrines. Not flakiness, but stability. Committed to church attendance. Everybody say committed to church attendance. It's important. It's necessary. I can count on one hand the times that I've missed church in my Now, you don't have to live like me. I'm not calling you, but in my life, I committed myself to church. I committed. You say, well, the church is nothing. No, the church is something. Let's recognize again that the church is full of God's people. The church is God's people. Coming together, committed to church attendance, standards of holiness. And by that I mean you know, the outward and the inward where we're going to, to walk like people of God. We're going to sound like people of God. We're, we're going to live like people of God. You know, living in that separated life, little room for compromise, moves of the Spirit on an ongoing basis. I heard a, a, several leaders uh, years ago share that you know, the early church didn't experience a move of God every day. I'm thinking, okay, let's listen to this. Where, where, where are you getting your facts here? You know, because in the book of Acts, we skip years at times, months, whatever. There are time periods. But that doesn't even make sense to me. I know that that's true as far as the time period. But listen, if I'm accustomed to doing something today, it's going to continue in my life. If it's part of my life, it'll continue every day, every week, every month. So I may not be performing miracles every day. But somebody in the church is. Hello? Somebody in the body of Christ is. Somebody in the kingdom is doing it. That's what this is referring to. The Holy Spirit, signs and wonder. They weren't accused. I mean, they were called Christians. Because they acted, sounded like, lived like Christ. Hello? That's why they were called Christians. Makes sense to me, right? And the zeal that we're going to have, the zeal for the things of God and the willingness to break barriers, not being bound by tradition. I'm putting these good qualities together, going to untap their areas and people and families that did not want to hear about Christ. You're going to be sharing the word of God with them. You're going to be sharing the word of God. There's going to be a boldness coming upon you. Emphasis in your life on the gifts of the spirit. That desire for more of God. What's it going to look like? This is exactly what it's going to look like. And even beyond. If we can just get to that place right here. Seeing a mighty outpouring of God's Spirit. I'm a candidate for it. I'm hungry for it. I believe in it. I preach it. I live it. We testify about it. We talk about it. We don't limit God. I don't ever want to limit God. But an outpouring of God's Spirit. Where when we hear that God heals somebody, we just say, praise God. It's not an oddity, it's a normal occurrence. A normal in every one of our lives, in this church, in this region, in the state of Maine, all of New England. Everybody's looking for something from the outside to come in. You know, we've been talking about a wave of God coming in, you know, from the north. You know, it depends where you live, is where it's going to start, by the way. I know it's going to start in Rooster County and work its way down. Because we are the crown of Maine. <laughs> Just deal with it. So the sooner you accept this, the better off you'll be. Uh, but if you're in Boston or if you're in another place, well, it's going to come from the, you know, the, the seas and the ocean and so forth. You know, I don't care. As long as it happens. As long as we're participating in it. <clears throat> to be so hungry for what God is doing. It's going to look like this. Ongoing. You know, I am a firm believer that things are still run by God. God is still in charge. I'm a firm believer of that. Men are allowed to play. And then God says, enough. But God is God. And what God has says, God will do. He will perform it. I'm a candidate. Let's stand together, please. Our Father, we're so thankful that you have begun a great work in us. Lord, I thank you for what you're doing in our hearts. I thank you for what you're doing in our lives personally. Father, we know that you have so much more for us. You have so much more to reveal to us. But know, I know, Lord, that it starts by your Spirit. By your Spirit, through your Spirit, from your Spirit. Everything about you. But, Father, today we submit ourselves to you first and foremost. Lord, we know that we may have done this two years ago, a year ago, a month ago. But today in this setting, commit ourselves to you and to your cause, the kingdom work. Father, we thank you that you are moving by your spirit in our earth. That you're moving by your spirit in this church, in this region, in this state. We thank you. We know that You have desired to fill us with Your Holy Spirit. When we push beyond our traditions and our denominations and our wants and our wishes and our wills, and we say, Lord, here I am. Fill me to overflowing. use me for Your glory. My life is not mine anymore, it's Yours. To commit ourselves to You, Lord. To commit ourselves to Your Word. To Your plan, to Your kingdom. Father, I pray that Your Spirit we begin to elevate our positions where we have, may have gotten comfortable in a certain setting with our own lives. When we may have gotten sidetracked, bring us back to the right position. Bring us back to that place that you've called us to as individuals. For this church, Lord, I declare the Holy Spirit outpouring, the Holy Spirit ministry in fullness. As a church in the region, a church that is governing father, I push back every dark cloud. I push back every demonic influence. I push back every depression, every frustration in the name of Jesus. And I release your spirit, Lord, the spirit of gladness and joy, the spirit of hope, Lord. Spirit of power to be released upon these people. Lord, we know that every one of us, at times, have been disappointed with the way things are. Father, let us put our eyes on You and never be disappointed. All these things that have worked against the future of this church, I arrest them right now in the name of Jesus, by the authority of Your Spirit, Lord. I take them captive, which they have tried so hard to take us as captives. I take these things as captives right now, and I cast them out in Jesus' name. Let there be glory, anointing, power, liberty, joy, gladness, supernatural occurrences, supernatural experiences from your spirit in this place and in this region. Father, we thank you today. We give you praise today for who you are. And, Father, I declare this in the name of Jesus. For every person here, people who have connected with this church, Lord, in the name of Jesus, the former and the latter rain being poured out upon our lives, and we are rejoicing even today. Thank you, Lord. We give you praise. I speak blessings upon every person here. Fathers, we go our way today. I thank you, Lord. Every heart is open to receive. And Father, I pray that this will take root in every heart and every life. To produce the fruit that you have desired. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Amen. God bless you folks. Amen. Thank you. I will be back here next Sunday. And then my wife and I will be back here on the 23rd to participate, to celebrate with this church along with Pastor Al. And uh, it's going to be a great day in the Lord. But we encourage you to continue to pray, push forward, push forward, push forward. Amen. God has always been a good God. Amen. We'll never fail. God bless you. You're dismissed.